love your dad. I love your mom. I love you, Jason, and I can't wait to see you guys soon. Okay, thank you. That's my son. I didn't know he was uh, calling in. So The JT and Looney Podcast. I didn't uh, expect that to happen. That was my son calling in from college. It's going to be a tough show. Episode 27. Well, let's talk about you and how you got the news. Just like on 9-11, I was in a newsroom. KABC, Los Angeles, Orange County. KABC. Talk Radio 790, KABC News, live and local at 12.02. I am Tom Looney. Kobe Bryant has died. He died in a helicopter crash in Calabasas this morning. Kobe was traveling with at least eight other people when the helicopter went down. Nine people are confirmed dead. The life and death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven others and the global media coverage. Tom, one of the most difficult weeks that anyone can go through, including the families of all involved and everyone around the world who's really hurting since what happened last Sunday in Calabasas with the helicopter crash. I haven't recovered since. Yeah, and I think that one thing we really have to think about probably doesn't get talked about often enough, and uh, and that's okay. People are talking about their own feelings at the time. But in the larger sense, uh, terrible. it's the worst for his parents because you're never supposed to bury your children. And Kobe's parents are still alive. And for Vanessa, it's normal to have your husband die. Husbands and young husbands die all the time. We send them off to war in their 20s. You know, 6,000 guys, over 6,000, between 6,000 and 7,000 families have gone through this who've sent boys to Iraq and Afghanistan since 2003. But never normal to have your child die. Uh, your children are supposed to bury you. And that's what's going to be the toughest for anybody on this planet. It's the toughest for Vanessa, who, as my mother told me, my dad died at 31. And my mother said she didn't want to get out of bed, but she had two boys. So she did. And Vanessa doesn't want to get out of bed. Uh, sleep is a real safe place for Vanessa right now, but she's got to get up because three girls have a life that she's got to perk up and a death that they've got to get over that uh, they're not thinking about what she's going through, but she's got to spend every day thinking about what they're going through. On a bizarre note, uh, Kobe Bryant's parents live 500, no, I wouldn't say that, I'd say a quarter mile away from my house. They wow. live in a development right next to mine. And I've, I've heard that rumor because a buddy of mine who was my neighbor sold his house. And he said, yeah, Kobe Bryant's parents live on my block. And I just never put two and two together until the entire week where I would leave and walk my dog and I would see news trucks coming out of the development right across mine. And obviously they're, they're really struggling now, but what got me all one thing on that, they have, they haven't always gotten along and that's, that sometimes makes it worse when you haven't had closure on some type of argument you've had with uh, your son or another person and they die and you haven't, fixed it yet it makes it even worse if you think it could be even worse uh it, it can't get any worse than it does for those parents right now exactly right and they had a really bizarre relationship for many years and i think it was patched up at one point in time because the family and i don't oh. want to spend too much time on this because it's more about kobe's daughter Gigi gianna and what happened there but it's just crazy because kobe's life was so complex that's what I've noticed on the radio yeah. all week and talking about this and looking at social media that, and you know a lot about this because you're a huge Laker fan, but Kobe growing up in Italy and then 
coming back to Philly and Lower Marion. Oh, and- there's so many layers. And oh. here's here's one thing too. Uh, yeah, and, and life is complex. And, and we got to watch someone else's so close and so intimately since he was a skinny teenager coming to the NBA. But I was there those years. And uh, I was, I've been talking about how I, I used to go to Laker games at night. I had an afternoon show, Looney and Dave show, Extra Sports 1150. And we could go to uh laker games at night because i was on during the afternoon and i would sit with a woman from the uh, new york times she was writing a book her name was K- uh elizabeth k none of the guys it's all guys between their 20s and 40s back that heyday of talk radio etc and they weren't interested in sitting with an older lady she had all the good stuff so i never told them she had everything and one day she said see those two empty seats that's where kobe's parents used to sit kobe had gotten engaged and eventually married but ever since he became engaged, those two seats where his parents always sat were empty. And when you see that, uh, the, one of the biggest memes that went out was when he was sitting with that really cool leather jacket in the shower, hugging the uh, Larry O'Brien trophy, the NBA championship trophy. I was there for that. It was the locker room in Philadelphia, the second championship. And he wasn't coming out. He was sitting back in the shower, just hugging that because nothing in his life was going right except for basketball. He needed, he was physically and emotionally spent. The Kobe Shaq feud had gone public. It was front page news, not just sports section in the LA Times, front page news. He needed that championship to make him feel good because his parents weren't talking to him. It would have been kind of cool winning it in Philadelphia where he was born and uh, and nothing was going right in his life, but that championship was one thing that went right that year. Absolutely, and he married a beautiful young Latina princess. Oh. Who was in high school. They yeah. got engaged when she was in high school. Yeah. So let me just say this: there are a lot of parents who would freak out over that. This guy's going to be a multi multi millionaire. He's got his whole life in front of him. He's twenty one. Yeah. He gets engaged to a girl who's in high school. I don't begrudge those parents for being concerned about that. And then we fast forward to Kobe's infidelities and what happened. Oh, in well, push pause there. You would never stop talking to your son because you didn't like his girlfriend. You wouldn't anyway. So, But some people would have parents that would. And so that was another thing that was complex that we got to witness that wasn't any of our business firsthand because we got to know everything about him. Well, but let me repeat that. If my son, who's now 18, if he was 21, Right. And got engaged to a girl in high school back in Vegas. You better believe I would <laughs> right. be very concerned other than yeah. if the woman, yeah. the girl got pregnant or the, you know, right. that typically happen all the time to celebrity superstars. They wait, they have a couple of divorces or they right. don't get married. And what I remember at that time being on the radio again, we often mock, you know, I've been on the radio and 14 years with you through the entire steroid era. Right. And all these other things that we mock and joke, but being on the radio Kobe's entire career from beginning middle championships until him passing away this past week. I've been witness to a lot of his life and that's what this whole week's been about. It was supposed to be about the Super Bowl. Supposed to be about the Super right. Bowl. Now one of the best Super Bowl matchups coming up on Sunday. I was on the phone last night with a friend JT he asked me about the Super Bowl and there was a long pause. I hadn't talked about the Super Bowl all week. It was incredible, and I just want to look back on Kobe's life, but I wanted this podcast to be more about the global reaction to Kobe, which I find very positive, ripping emotionally through everyone's heart as everybody's trying to come to grips with this because we can't imagine 
Kobe dying. We couldn't imagine Princess Diana dying. I couldn't imagine a young Pat Tillman dying. When a young person dies, especially with a child with them during an accident, you sit back and you go, I'll never see this individual grow old. There'll never be a picture with gray hair, with grandkids and all that. And we'll all remember Kobe Bryant for being a 17, a 22, a 29, a 35, and a 41-year-old young dad who we grew up watching. We saw every aspect, Tom, of his life from the time he was 15, 16 and went to the NBA in the draft. That awkward gait that he had that so many teenagers do before he grew into his body, yet he was fearless out there. And when he, he didn't even start the first couple of years with the Lakers, and Jerry West was annoyed by it and had to trade Eddie Jones to make sure that Phil Jackson started uh, Kobe Bryant. And uh, and then we watched him grow and snarl his way through all those uh, uh, playoffs because he would just, his personality would get dark and uh, turn into that black mamba uh, during the playoffs. And then we saw uh, as he, after he retired, this happy Kobe that people were also joking about because we weren't used to the happy Kobe because he was so driven when he was younger there wasn't as many smiles uh, that we eventually saw from him after retirement. Incredible to me. So I wanted to begin this podcast with a really emotional moment with my son. My son grew up a Kobe Bryant fanatic. The first words he said, and we've often talked about that on right. the radio because my son grew up a Kobe Bryant fanatic. And we'd often joke that my son's first words were probably Kobe. Right. Or mom and dad, because we lived in L.A. in Sherman Oaks, working with Fox. And from the day he was born, Kobe was on TV all the time. And he loved basketball and he loved the Lakers. So my son is in Oklahoma. He's a freshman in college. And on Sunday night, uh, the night that Kobe Bryant died earlier in the day, I went on the radio on Mad Dog Sirius XM. And I did a monologue that I thought was emotional. And then I went to the phones at the end of the monologue. And I absolutely had no idea that the first caller named John was my son. And he called in and this is how it sounded. John, start us off. Uh, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Go ahead. Um, hello. Um, this is not how I think I'd make my first call to the show. After a while, um, this is still probably one of the hardest days of my life. And I just want everybody to say thanks to Kobe. I want him to be remembered for Kobe, not compared to anybody else. I love you, Dad. I love you, Mom. I love you, Jason. And I can't wait to see you guys soon. Okay, thank you. That's my son. I didn't know he was uh, calling in, so. eight 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 six two three three six four six. So. I didn't uh, expect that to happen. That was my son calling in from college. And uh, as I mentioned, as I opened up the show. Wow. I'm very proud of my son to do that because my son didn't need to do that. But I think it was a part of him connecting with me and Kobe and the fact that he felt alone because my wife and his brother are here in Vegas and he's in Oklahoma and he had to get it off his chest. And Tom, I bring that up because there's millions of kids his age around the world from China and the far East to Africa, South America, who are going through the same thing on that first night, Sunday night and all week long. And they didn't know how to express it. 
Exactly. Well, it's one of the big things that's going on is uh, when you talk about how hard it is on the young. You know, the first 40 years of your life, you learn how to say hello to people, friends, relatives, co-workers, lovers, in-laws. After 40, you learn how to say goodbye to your parents, maybe your grandparents, your friends' parents. You know, you and I are at that age. Uh, your friends, uh, et cetera. And that's why I think this has such an effect on so many people under 40. And those under 30, those on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter, the majority of people on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter are, are under 30, not as much death experience. So the reaction's really dramatic. Anytime somebody goes through something traumatic that's new, it's long, slow, and hard. Think of how kindergarten through eighth grade was, especially even for Kobe in Italy, right? In a second language. But anytime anything, something new is going on that's tra dramatic and traumatic, it's really slow, hard, and difficult. And he brought so much joy to all of us because we felt like we knew him for so long and watched him grow from the skinny teenager to a dad. And for those who are really young, this is sometimes their first experience with, uh, with a big time death. Well, let's talk about you and how you got the news. What happened to you on that Sunday around 11, 1030, oh. 11, 1130? Walk me through that. Oh, wow. I was, and just like on 9-11, I was in a newsroom. I was anchoring at KABC in Los Angeles, and the program director called and said, keep an eye on this helicopter crash in Calabasas. I said, okay, good. I need a new story. And uh, which is how you always feel when you're, when you're doing news and you want something, you know, you need some fresh stuff and there tends to be less uh, resources on a weekend, not less news, but less resources because people take off. And he said, but there's a caveat here. Kobe Bryant may have been on that helicopter. I'm like, Oh, wow. And so I immediately went to TMZ and within minutes, the announcement came up on TMZ and I had called him back. In the meantime, I ran down to the people doing traffic. I said, if you guys hear anything, you see anything on your big screen TVs, they got all kinds of equipment down there. You hear any of your affiliates going with this, let me know. And uh, Drew Hayes, program director at KBC, and I are back on the phone. We're batting back and forth whether or not we can go with it with TMZ. And we're talking and I'm insisting on it. I've known everybody over there so long. I've interviewed there. Um, and he knows their reputation too, all the way back to Michael Jackson and breaking that before they had credibility. And somebody from the newsroom ran down and said, KFI in Los Angeles is going with it. KFI has a great news department. And he and I said, okay, we got to go with it. Multiple sources. We'll say multiple sources. Get, get, get it. Right. KABC. Talk Radio 790 KABC News, live and local at 12.02. I am Tom Looney. Kobe Bryant has died. He died in a helicopter crash in Calabasas this morning. Kobe was traveling with at least eight other people when the helicopter went down. Nine people are confirmed dead. That was what we were talking about. <laughs> we were not the Incredible that you're yeah. in a newsroom yeah. with your background of covering Kobe, yeah. traveling with the Lakers and their championship. one, and And to be... This is flooring me that you're in a newsroom yeah. and you're trying to get sources to confirm this and, and go with it on a monster famous radio station in Los Angeles. Right. And I did have other sources too. Eric Leonard, who works at KNBC in Los Angeles, is also a helicopter pilot and is usually always all over their top stories over there. And I worked with him before. And before I could even call him, we had a number of sources. 
And the one thing, too, like you said, with my Kobe background, uh, I was able to scrap all the other news, and I knew I could write a two- to five-minute newscast that was only Kobe. I knew I could ditch all the stories about the water main break on Hollywood Boulevard, et cetera, and just how you had to go with one story. And that's where, you know, sometimes when news people have to talk about sports, as we've seen in the past week, or uh, we know when sports people have to talk about news, it can get, uh, they go into uncharted waters, but because a lot of times news people don't read the sports section and sports people don't read the news section. Uh, But I knew I could write out easily however many minutes I needed to write out about Kobe Bryant. And so it was right in my wheelhouse. So it was fascinating in a way Mm -hmm. That and as you know too, when we were on the air when the tsunamis hit hit Japan, and to be on the air and be the first person giving people news, there is this weird thrill to that. That sounds inappropriate, but that's our you know it's our job to provide information. And so when some new breaking story, huge breaking story, develops, it was just the part there was that it was so personal for me to deliver that. Yeah. That uh, it, that it was uh, very difficult to deliver because I knew it had to be a, a real pro about it, and very careful because you're breaking the news of death to someone for the first time. You know who's listening to a, a show about on Saturday, Sunday morning about cars. You got to be careful, and and Absolutely. Uh, and, and uh, so that was a fascinating and sad morning for me Sunday couple of quick things on that. I got up that day and I was going to a college basketball game, the number four team in the country, San Diego State. Believe it or not, they're, they're undefeated. They were playing UNLV and I had an opportunity to go to the game. So I was getting ready and I went downstairs to my kitchen table. My wife was there, my young son, who's 16. And I noticed on my phone, I'm getting a couple texts. Did you see the Kobe news? Uh, turn on the TV or go to TMZ. So I'm starting to put this together. And as we host this podcast, I'm in my wife's walk-in closet, as you know. <laughs> my mom, my wife's uh, motherly instincts kicked in because she knows that my son in Oklahoma is a Kobe fan. She gets on the phone. She's a tech geek, so she's trying to bring this all up. And then she's showing me TMZ, and we start looking at this. And I was, I was, I think I was in shock right. because I was. Then I went. Then the media side of me kicked in and I went to CNN and Fred Rica, who anchors the weekend, was not breaking into news. I went to Fox News. They weren't breaking into news, but I knew it was coming. Then I went over to ESPN as they were broadcasting. Your guys, Joe Tessitore and Booger, were at the Pro Bowl. And I said, if anybody's going to have this story first, it's going to be ESPN. Uh And then, believe it or not, Fox had it on television first. I switched over to CNN. And they went with the report of the helicopter crash and then they started reporting it. And then once it got confirmed, my wife was texting my son and we had to go to this game, which started, it was an early start, a one o'clock start. I got in an Uber around 12, 15 with a good buddy of mine. And we didn't talk to each other for 10 minutes. It was dead wow. silence in the Uber, just looking at our phones. And we got dropped off in front of the Thomas and Mac and we were going up the escalator this is where the running rebels with Jerry Tarkanian in 89, 90. I mean, this was the hottest place in Vegas for sports for a long time. You could hear a pin drop. Everybody was talking about the news as we went into the arena. And then, then the rest of the day developed Tom. And it was just shocking to see everybody get the news. And then I want to go to a very unfortunate event that happened. 
uh, ABC News correspondent Matt Gutman, who I think is a great reporter. Not good, great. Mm-hmm. He's always on the front line of a fire yeah. or a big event. He reported that all of Kobe's girls were involved in the helicopter. He's since been suspended following that erroneous reporting in the aftermath. And it's a mistake, and he deserves to be suspended. It was a bad mistake, but I thought the information was terrible, Tom, as it first broke and Rick Fox was in the helicopter or there were five people. It turned out it was nine. I just thought the reporting was real shoddy as everybody tried to break the news first. Yeah, and I had to go back. I did some special features that that ran throughout the day at 15 and 45 on KBC, and I had to go back when I got home with my own, with this equipment. And uh, and fix a couple of things because of the five originally reported, and then it was nine, which we found out a couple hours later. So that five number went out for a long time, which is why ABC News and somebody there should have had his back. Because if there were five dead and it was Kobe and four girls, who was flying the helicopter? Kobe or one of the girls? You know, they didn't do the math and the excitement of, and that's what it is. It's a strange excitement, even though it's sad of delivering the news and being one of the first to deliver it. Uh, you got to get it right. And you have to remember people's feelings uh, when you're trying to uh, deliver the news. If you're going to be wrong, remember there's feelings involved. This is death. And I, and somebody with him as well, uh, didn't do the math of if there's five people on the, because that was the report. If there's five people on the helicopter and it's Kobe and four girls, who's flying the plane. And I think everybody was happy to find out sounds i mean at least the whole family wasn't wiped out you know i'm sure during the entire unlv game you're wondering to yourself yeah. who else was on that plane because early on we only knew it was kobe yeah and one of the big rumors that i was buying into not to tweet it out or repeat it but calabasas mm-hmm. is where the kardashians live yes and justin bieber lives and yep. what was playing with my head is i was never thinking basketball a girl's basketball workout and tournament i was thinking that kobe was taking his daughter to a birthday party, right? They were going up to a birthday party in Calabasas. Uh He lives in Orange County. It's a long drive. There's always traffic in LA. And he was going there because there was a Jenner kid's birthday party that day. And that was one of the other rumors. And only you would know that. (laughs) Yeah, right. uh, That was a rumor that was running out. But I can tell you the news reporting, you and I have friends, Evan Rosenblum, TMZ. Right. Uh, I thought TMZ, we've always said TMZ is great at what they do because they're so much better than the people that can't get it right. Right. So from time to time, when you're breaking thousands of stories, not hundreds, one or two are going to be wrong. And I knew that they would be on it and they would have information. It would most likely be accurate. I didn't like the video or the or the still pictures of the fireball. I didn't need to see that. Uh-huh. I want to I pick up with that. I thought that that was disturbing that the first day they were posting pictures of the side of that hill as a fireball where everybody now can go, oh, my God, not only did they all die, but how did they die? How crazy was that? So it was very, it was, Tom, it was very uncomfortable, that news cycle, much different than Princess Diana, who died in a tunnel in a horrific car accident. And there were some reporters, Yeah. yeah, there were some reporters who got in there, but this was for everybody to see on a hillside and helicopters coming in. It was just really tough to watch. Well, that's what it looks like. Yeah, I'm not against pictures like that. And we've been one of the few countries where we're supposed to have a free press. 
And it is just we have this odd quirk about death. We had a president. Obama smoked cigarettes for eight years. We never saw a picture of him smoking a cigarette. Eight years before that, Laura Bush smoked Newports. Nobody ever saw her smoking a cigarette. We had a president in a wheelchair. Nobody ever saw him in a wheelchair. It's we have this strange censorship with our free press of certain things that make us uncomfortable or that protect people's image. And that's what it, you know, what's really sad about that when you pointed how they died is when people will, will call and ask me as if somehow I would know, well, maybe because I'm in L.A., when the memorial service is going to be, et cetera. Well, usually you have to get the body back or something before you can have a funeral, a memorial service, et cetera. Not for a memorial service, but at least for the family. And when I worked on the Best Damn Sports Show period, we had a producer that I became really good friends with. And one day we were sitting uh, waiting to record a few things, and he had this ring on. And he was young and unmarried. And I said, tell me about that ring. <sighs> well, his dad had died in a commercial airliner crash. And that was the only thing they found was the ring, not the body, just the ring. So when you take a look at that video, that's also one thing that makes it sad squared is how they died and how little the families are going to get back, you know, in terms of how, how it screws up the closure of those families. You at least like to get a box with the body in it. And so the story just doubly and triply uh, compounds when, and, and the sadness doubly and triply compounds here. And one small thing about TMZ, the family didn't find out from TMZ. The sheriff's department was upset that TMZ had reported the story before the sheriff's department told the family, right. but people made this illogical leap and started saying the family found out from TMZ. There's no report that the family found out from TMZ. Uh, the family had a pretty, had heard things before TMZ got involved because Kobe didn't show up. Kobe and his daughter didn't show up at an Academy and there was a helicopter crash nearby. The family had already uh, gone over the math I'm pretty sure with other people, uh, not that it even matters right now. One of the things I'm also struggling with, and I know a lot of our listeners are, is the closure part of who's at fault. And this mm -hmm. is a very important topic in yeah. this Kobe Bryant podcast because, look, the pilot had tremendous history as a great pilot. Kawhi Leonard used him. He, he's been doing this for so many hours. I talked to an expert on this. I forget the amount. It was 8,000 hours. If you take a look at a half hour flight or an hour flight total, you can imagine 20 years of doing this. He was known to be a great pilot. The helicopter never should have took off because of the weather. You worked that day. Yep. You were well, in Los Saturday Angeles. Saturday and Sunday were two of the foggiest days I've ever seen in Los Angeles. Cause I had to get up at four 30 to go to work. So someone made a decision to put that helicopter in the air. Uh, Kobe's the alpha male. Mm -hmm. There's a legendary baseball coach uh, manager who's on that flight with his wife and daughter. There's another female great basketball coach. And I apologize for not having their names in front of me. Mm -hmm. But with the nine people totaled, you got to assume that the pilot and Kobe were in charge. It's Kobe's yes. pilot. So someone made that decision to go up as it was described. The clouds were as thick as milk. I, I heard an expert say, imagine jumping into a pool, a swimming pool full of, uh, full of milk and then opening your eyes. That's what it looked like at some point in that area on the five, the 101 yep. around Glendale where they were circling. 
Tom, it will come out and it will get ugly here as we know this in the coming months. But why did that heli- helicopter have to go up in the air? Why did they have to make that decision? Same thing with JFK Jr. as he rushed to get to Same Nantucket. Thing. And Same they had thing. to do it with uncertain, uncertain weather. Why does this continue to happen? It doesn't happen often because we don't see stories like this every day. But what a big mistake. Well, and I'm glad you brought this up because we uh, throughout this podcast now have talked about several things that people haven't covered. And you're right. John F. Kennedy Jr. also wasn't thinking he had somebody else's daughter, two other people's daughter, his wife and his sister-in-law. And the family was furious about that. Okay, if you're in a hurry and you've got that type of personality and you're alone, it's one thing. And John F. Kennedy Jr.'s father, you remember, was assassinated. And his mother knew that her little boy loved airplanes and helicopters. He fell in love with helicopters because his father flew in one, John F. Kennedy Jr. And she told him, you can, you can pursue your passion of flying after I die. And it's the first thing that he did when she died. So that, show, that story is, is really sad in 18 different ways like this one. And you know celebrity culture. You live in Vegas. You see them all the time. You, how pe- you know how people react. Even if people hate a celebrity, they say, oh, hi, because they really lo- we love celebrity. And so I guarantee you, in addition to the pilot who made the call, Nobody else on that plane was making the call on that helicopter other than Kobe because the people who knew him adored him, uh, revered him, and he was, you know, he was the king in that helicopter. So it was the king and the pilot who made that call. I don't think I'm out of line in suggesting that. One more thing on the helicopter. I took a helicopter ride on my honeymoon before my kids were born in Kauai, and it was pretty dramatic along the Nepali coast, and we went into – these unbelievable areas where it looked like the scenes from Jurassic Park, but we didn't right. have kids at that point. When you get on a helicopter every day or several times a week, being right. that you're a helicopter pilot, that you're living, or you're a multimillionaire who doesn't want to commute in a car and you want to take a helicopter to work or to private events. Look, I'm not a big odds guy, but the odds start kind of flipping against you every time you go yep. up in the air in a contraption like that. And for Kobe Bryant at the age of 41 with kids, four daughters, a wife, a family, uh, this guy's going to be a billionaire someday at the pace he is as a businessman. Look, I'm not going to, I guess I'm second. Well, we can it, debate but, whether or yeah, not. We can debate that, but why? Yeah. Well, cause I would tell you why he should, because you talk about the odds. Uh, that's not a, a cliche. It's a fact that the most dangerous part of that trip that you took to Hawaii after your honeymoon was driving to the airport uh, and driving back from the airport with your new bride once you got back to L.A. and driving to the airport when you were in Hawaii to get on that plane or driving from the airport when you got off it or the helicopter ride you took. Uh, Flying isn't as dangerous as driving. So there's that logic, too. But the problem with those two things to then flip and argue your side of it is if a pilot has a bad day, which is what happened, that cannot be denied. Uh, when it comes to the Kobe Bryant situation, it probably wasn't the helicopter. It looks like in no way it was the helicopter, right? He flew into what other people I've heard is called soup. When you have a helicopter inside the clouds like that and you can drop and the air pressure is different, etc. So the, the helicopter pilot and Kobe had a bad day 
And when you have a bad day on a helicopter, the results are usually horrific compared to if you had a bad day in a limousine. As we record this podcast on the Friday before the Super Bowl, Kobe died the Sunday before. I'm in awe because a picture was just posted of the Staples Center for tonight where the Lakers get back in action. And yeah. every single seat, every seat has a Kobe Bryant T-shirt on it with the number eight. So I'm looking at this picture, and I'll forward it to you, Tom, and you'll see right. it. It's just majestic to look at what this scene will look like in L.A. just with the seats having Kobe, the name Bryant, and the number eight on every seat in Staples Center where you've been to countless times. I want to talk about a couple other things here as we look back at the life of Kobe Bryant and everyone else who was on that helicopter, but Kobe's the celebrity. And my point is a lot of people have had trouble with the coverage that Kobe's getting. He's getting Mm -hmm. global coverage because he's a celebrity, and that's okay. I took calls from people who were really upset and said, well, why are we talking about this? What about the other people? And I get it. We're talking about his daughter. We're talking about the other people, but we wouldn't have been talking about this helicopter crash if Kobe Bryant wasn't on it because he's one of the biggest celebrities and icons in the world. And everybody has a different way of grieving with this. But, Tom, I'm starting to realize the impact that Kobe Bryant had on the world. I knew he was big time. I know all the stats. I have him here in front of me. I just had no idea he was this big at the level of Ali, at the level of the icons that came before him. Ali died because of complications from Parkinson's as an elderly man. Other icons that die late in life will have an impact. But when you're talking about 41 years old and the impact that he had overseas, Coach K said on his radio show that he was the most popular NBA player in the history of the NBA because of China and his global reach. And that's adding to the coverage of the story. And you're missing the biggest reason probably why he was the most popular in the United States and in Los Angeles and in Mexico. He began every press conference by answering the Spanish question first from Channel 34. It was brilliant because he could speak English, Spanish, Italian, and worked on other languages that Sasha Vujicic spoke, etc. So when he would answer that question, and he was speaking in the language of mom, you cannot overestimate the effect his death had on the Latino community, the Mexican-American, and the Mexican immigrant community in Southern California because he would answer the Spanish question first. Now, that question was never on the local English-speaking news. But when you're leading the sports every night with Kobe speaking in Spanish, that is what separated him. Muhammad Ali couldn't do that, didn't do that. Wayne Gretzky, who played in L.A. for the L.A. Kings, didn't do that, couldn't do that. Michael Jordan didn't do that, couldn't do that. None of those guys were capable of speaking to Channel 34, listening to the question in another language, than answering it in another language. That makes you global. And English, here's a newsflash, English and Spanish are the two most spoken languages in the world. In addition to Chinese, I suppose I might be off on that, that part because I forgot about the Chinese. But, uh, and, he's, and he's huge in China. So the Spanish-speaking world, the Chinese-speaking world, and the English-speaking world love you. Well, then you got the globe covered. Absolutely. Uh, one of the decisions I made on the radio was I said, we're not going to talk about Kobe compared to Jordan and LeBron and anything. I, right. I think it's disrespectful, the Mount Rushmore, where right. does he stand all time? Because 
we're in the grieving process still now. And there hasn't even been a memorial yet. The story, and you're in L.A., that the memorial could be at the Coliseum because it holds up to 80,000 and the parks surrounding the Coliseum could handle an overflow crowd. And right. you've seen the crowds at Staples Center. One of our buddies, big brother Jake, and another friend of mine, two two people that I know that don't know each other, told the same story that when they landed from a trip or a vacation at LAX, they didn't go home. They went immediately to Staples Center. These crowds have been enormous. They will continue to impress us all. But Tom, this is a player. Let me me point out to you because uh, let me, let me paint the picture. The LA Coliseum seats 92,516 people. That's how many people would be there as well. If they hold it at the Coliseum plus on the parks outside. And, uh, but here's one more caveat too. The person who has a final say in that is Vanessa. And does she want a small funeral with a hundred people in a private ceremony? Kind of like to circle back to the JFK analogy, JFK's wedding. Remember was on a secret Island because he didn't want the chaos. And, uh, because she has the option. I know, you know, people will say she shouldn't deny everybody else their, uh, their desire to mourn. But, you know, she does deserve to have something in private for the father of her children and for her children. So that's, uh, on the other hand, maybe she would want her children to see this. But we don't know what she's thinking right now. And believe me, uh, she's having a hard time thinking. There's another legend that died that had a tribute and a memorial at the Staples Center, and it was Michael Jackson. And that was packed, and that was very emotional, too. And Michael Jackson probably a bigger name than Kobe Bryant around the world. And I remember that happening like it was yesterday. Uh, The reaction by the NBA, Adam Silver, LeBron James, uh, Shaq on TNT was incredible. Let's spend a few minutes on that. Shocking. The sound was incredible because Shaq hadn't talked to Kobe since the night he scored 60. Right. I was, I was amazed by that because they're in the NBA. Kobe's involved with, NBA media with details. They're at the uh, same games. <laughs> I cannot believe yeah. that. That again is shocking to me because we know about the fallout between Kobe and Shaq yes. and how they put their friendship together. How do you not talk to Kobe since the last game where he scored 60 when you go to all-star games, parties, or you bump into each other, you're in Hollywood and it goes to show you they didn't spend a lot of time together. Most well, Kobe retirement. Yeah, they never liked each other for a long time. And then, you know, they fixed things up because it was mostly basketball stuff. In addition to the time Kobe got arrested and the cops released the tapes of him gossiping about Shaq. So there was a lot to fix there on Kobe's part uh, and on Shaq's part. And they hadn't fully fixed it and gotten through it. Uh, and they did, you know, in some ways and apologized, et cetera. But uh, they... You know, here's one thing, too, about that. Even when you don't like someone or you're mad at your husband, wife, somebody you're in love with, and they die, uh, you didn't want them dead. You just They just weren't your favorite person at that moment. Mm-hmm. And that also hurts as well. You know, he never fixed it fully with Kobe. Their, their friendship was probably never going to be close. But, you know, it's uh, just like I mentioned with Kobe's parents and Kobe, because it's been a rough ride. And then they started to sell some of his memorabilia. So they weren't talking again around, uh, you know, 2012, 2013. And they've been patching things up again. So uh, when you're thinking, when things aren't perfect, 
between you and somebody that dies, it's a double punch to the gut because you didn't get to fix it and you never will be. Incredible, the reaction. And Charles Barkley on that TNT special basically said he had no relationship. It was so good and raw that Charles said that, you know, Kobe would see him and say hello and just keep walking. And I, I scratched <laughs> my head. I go, that's Charles Barkley. He's yeah. the number, not even close. He's the number one NBA media icon. No one is even close to him. And Kobe had no relationship with him other than just being cordial. So Kobe was a very complex person. And as we get set to wrap this up, I want to talk about his fatherhood because that's what I'm going to remember him for after this week of grieving. And as we go forward, the player brilliant. I didn't know he was the only teenager ever to play an all-star game. How about that? Yeah, I know. Only I, teenager ever to play in an all-star game. He wasn't game. a starter when he was voted in that all-star game, but that's a whole other subject. He should have been. And there was a lot of great players that have played, and there are better players than Kobe. Again, the Michael, LeBron, the Will Chamberlain argument. But I'm going to remember him. Don't forget my guy, Kareem. Yeah, Kareem right there. Kareem's uh, Instagram uh, social media post was beautiful. It was great. Well thought out. Uh, oh, Jerry West. Maybe the guy. Fair enough to say, Tom, uh, push back if you want. I don't think anyone was devastated more than Jerry West. Oh, I played oh. the sound and saw it. Jerry West, absolutely like he lost the son, the architect of the deal to bring him from Charlotte to the Lakers. Oh, wow. Was Jerry West. He went on NBA radio. He went on with Robin Roberts and Michael Strahan on the ABC special. He went on ESPN Sports Center. Jerry West, bravo. Handling he wanted that people role. to know. He wanted people to know the kid who stayed in his living room, the kid who knew his children. Uh, oh, yeah, he was wonderful. I'm like a, I push back on his resume, which gets lied about, and he lets it happen, but I don't push back on him as a human being. And there was things I didn't know and stories he told that he probably wouldn't have told because they were too deeply personal, but Kobe was dead, so he told them because they were kind and positive. And, yeah, he was um, – I, I heard him on – you know, I, I heard the the live and the replays because talk show, you know, sports talk radio was uh, using that sound a lot. And yeah, I don't know if there was anyone other than the family more uh, devastated because he considered Kobe family. And one of the times he he choked up and cried was when he was talking about he didn't want to put it this way, but he was closer to Kobe in many ways than Kobe was to his parents, and felt like a parent to Kobe at times when Kobe wasn't talking to his parents. So uh, it was devastating for Jerry West and all the things he had to say were really beautiful. The coverage has been unique. Uh, it's been at times it flawed, but I right. think the grieving process just in the small world that I live in with my family, my friends being on the radio, hosting this podcast is something mm -hmm. that I'll never forget. I'm calling this the Kobe Super Bowl. This is the only time oh, yeah. in 54 Super Bowls where an event happened, and I hope it never happens again, anything close to it, that completely overshadowed the Super Bowl, where there was no media coverage. Literally, it was almost forced. Yep. I talked to Jim Brown, and Tom, I'd also like to you to include in the podcast because you're our editor-in-chief. Yes. Uh, this soundbite of Jim Brown, who was number one, on the NFL 100. Think of that. And Jim, I reached out to him. He comes on every year, did with us for years at the Super Bowl. Here's what Jim Brown said when I asked him about Kobe Bryant. 
tell that Jim Brown, who's going to be 84 coming up in February, 84, Kobe wow. dies at 41. My dad's 81. Makes me think I'm going to rush to see my dad who's healthy, hitting the golf ball today, vibrant in life. You don't know, Tom, when it's going to be over. You, you have no. no clue. And Kobe Bryant, for me, is that force going forward because I really never thought that Kobe would leave us. I thought that as some people described him, he was a superhero who could have jumped out, as Lamar Odom said. He could have jumped out of the helicopter before it crashed and picked it up and saved everyone. I cannot believe we're doing a podcast the week of the Super Bowl on the death of Kobe Bryant. And uh, circling back to you talking about people's sadness and young people, and and my godson is 30, and he reminded me, that, you know, because their whole, their entire family, even when he wasn't getting along with his dad, you know, and this is uh, going through his teenage days, or his dad wasn't being the best dad, uh, they would bond watching Laker games. He and his younger brothers and his tiny little sister, who's five, who's been wanting to watch the DVDs, wondering what everyone else is mourning about, which is really cute. But uh, he reminded me that all four of his grandparents are alive. He's got an enormous family, Salvadorian, El Salvadorian and Mexican mix. So it's just all about family, cousins and aunts and uncles. All four of his grandparents are alive. Uh, they've never had really any big death in their family so far because he's 30. So this is everybody's having a, a tough time and his entire family digesting this because that was one of the ways they bonded as a family was watching Kobe and the Lakers. I picked New Orleans over Kansas City at the start of the season, as you know, to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City made it. I'm going to pick Kansas City 28-24 to 24 to win the Super Bowl. They'll win and cover the spread. I wouldn't be shocked if the Niners won. I was wrong about Jimmy G this year. I don't drink the Jimmy G Kool-Aid. I don't pray at the altar of Jimmy G. But he's had some very impressive games. I think that Nick Bosa is the best draft pick I've seen since Khalil Mack. If they didn't draft him, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. They wouldn't have made the playoffs, and they drafted him number two, and they could win the Super Bowl. Something to think about there, and I think Patrick Mahomes, Tom, will be the MVP on Sunday night. 31-24, San Francisco wins the Super Bowl, and it's going to be all about the defense. And it might not even be 31-24. It could be 10-9. to The San Francisco defense and the way that the offense can dominate and and, and run the clock is going to be huge. And you talk about Jimmy G. This could be Jimmy G's Phil Simms Super Bowl. 
in John Elway's first Super Bowl, uh, it was all about John Elway. And Phil Sims went you know, 23 for 25 or whatever. Remember, it came out. It was all about Phil Sims when it was the Denver Broncos and the New York Giants and that Super Bowl at the Rose Bowl back in the 80s. And there's been several other Super Bowls where the hyped quarterback wasn't the one that ended up dominating the day. Doug Williams versus John Elway. How did that work out, JT? It could be one of those 24 of 27 for 300 yards and a perfect quarterback rating for Jimmy G, who I never believed in either, but I've watched his numbers grow all year. You know, normally I don't dive into the pool with numbers and stats. I'm a right brain guy. My brother was the mechanical engineer. He dives into numbers, but I love the quarterback rating and because it works. And with the end of the year, when you take a look at the math, the good ones are on the top and the bad ones are at the bottom and the mediocre ones in the middle. And it's not always who you think because your mind isn't always right about who's good. At the quarterback position, Jimmy G got better every week. Jimmy G's a top 10 quarterback. Jimmy G can compete in the Super Bowl and win it, but you're right about the defense. The defense will win the Super Bowl, and we don't talk about the defensive weapons a lot of times because we like the offensive shiny objects, but San Francisco's going to win the Super Bowl 34, uh, 31 to 24, and they're going to do it with defense. We will talk about Kobe Bryant the remainder of our lives and careers on yeah. podcasts, radio shows, God bless all nine victims of that horrific helicopter crash. But we wanted to pay tribute, Tom, to Kobe Bryant. As you close out the podcast, I want to turn it back to you because of what Kobe meant to you, your Laker fandom, and what's still happening in Los Angeles in your life as we speak. It's incredible. People talk about the European influence on the NBA and don't stop and think about how it may have all started with Kobe Bryant. Kindergarten through eighth grade seems to last forever, doesn't it? And I went to St. Casmer's Elementary and St. Patrick's Junior High and kindergarten through eight took so long. Well, Kobe was educated in Europe, kindergarten through eighth. So he was this prince-like figure that was didn't always fit in with everybody else. And so when he came back to America, you know, uh, he felt he related to white people more than most African-Americans would, but they, he didn't look like them. And for his black friends, uh, they said, well, this, cat, this guy's a different cat. And he was. He grew up in Europe. And when he went into the NBA, they thought he was aloof. You know why he was aloof? Because he couldn't go to strip clubs or bars because he was 17 years old and skinny and staying in his hotel room and staying sober. So he was always separated from the rest. His first car in high school was a BMW. That's a prince-like life that he led. But he was no spoiled kid. He was driven and he had big goals. And it's one thing people said he was arrogant. You're damn right. Cancer doesn't get cured without an arrogant guy who does homework that says, I can cure cancer. Give me the books. I'll study and figure it out. He had a different goal. I can play in the NBA. I know I'm 12, but I'll figure it out and I'll be there in five years. Most people in their 20s don't know what they want to do with their life. Most people of any age actually never figured out what they wanted to do with their life. He was a child star who knew what he wanted to do when most of us are trying to poke our kids, getting to them to do something. It was a fascinating life that we watched from a teenager through his uh, 20s and 30s. We saw the immature moments. We mocked immature moments, forgetting as he was, he was mimicking Michael Jordan, that he was a kid. 
and he wasn't acting like an adult and we got upset and then we had to realize oh that's right he's not an adult yet it was a fascinating life that we watched this young prince grow and was he perfect no the angels and saints in our lives don't have wings and halos they are deeply deeply flawed because they were human he was deeply flawed but we got to know his flaws and we got to know the happy kobe as a father and the greatest thing that comes out of this putting all the celebrity worship aside that people are getting tired of some people is the hashtag girl dad for guys especially sports fans who want to tell the world they're not disappointed that they only have daughters the hashtag girl dad thing is a really cool thing that's coming out of this and i think kobe would be most proud of that legacy nicely done and thank you to everyone for listening to this tough edition of the jt and looney podcast jtandlooney.com we always appreciate your downloads please share with others thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.